Sabres Live is presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. We are going to overtime! Sabres Live Overtime, and what a weekend it was. Busy from the standpoint of roster cuts after a 3-1 win over Pittsburgh on Saturday. And when you're serious about the game... Bet on Buffalo with the only sports books in Western New York. Seneca Resorts and Casinos betting counters are open daily and self-service betting kiosks are open 24-7 at all three locations. Whether you visit Seneca, Niagara, Allegheny, or Buffalo Creek, the Sports Lounge features the latest lines and multiple screens so you never miss a play. The Sports Book at Seneca Resorts and Casinos, where the love of the game meets the thrill of the win. Marty Buran, it really is me, in case you were wondering, just basking in the glow of another preseason victory for Buffalo. I think I may have the same glasses. Are we, are we, is this similar Dude, to if, yours? If, if you have the same glasses, then we are truly a married couple, not just a duo. Okay. We would, so, try, because I've had, these are prescription Oakley's oh, no, that, I, that I've had for almost 10 years. My optometrist said the other day, how can you possibly see out of those things? So anyway, uh, here I am. These Maybe are it's... Under Armour that we got at the alumni fishing oh. uh, event a few years back. So that's why I thought maybe you got those two. But but if you, um, if you thought about that a little bit further, you would know that Razor never invites me to that event. So uh, I no, would be un, I would be unlikely to have those. That's because you're a golfer, not a fisher. That's the way it works. You always <laughs> go to the golf. And he's a fisher, not a golfer. Fish. <laughs> well, maybe he's a, he's a cooking the hamburgers at that event. But anyway, uh, yes. Okay. Um, the game uh, at home that the Sabres played against the Pittsburgh Penguins was, I felt um, the best pace that we've seen so mm -hmm. far in preseason out of the Sabres. Yes. They had a pretty good lineup when you considered that Thompson, Olofsson, Cousins, Krebs, uh, Hennis, Trosa, Aspen, we're all in the lineup with power, Yokiaru, Labushkin. So um, there was a lot of pace. It, it, Pittsburgh didn't have Crosby, Malkin, Latang, Carter. They didn't have any of those guys. But still, I felt that it was a very high-intensity game, a lot of skating, a lot of pace. Uh, and uh, I felt that was a good sign for the Sabres to what Don Granado said. Okay, we need to push these guys now. I felt they responded well in the push in game number four of the preseason. As expected, cuts came afterwards. Might have come a little quicker than we anticipated, but here we are in a brand new week with two preseason games to go. The Sabres are three and one. They've trimmed the roster. Were there any surprises for you to the cuts that were made? And obviously, I'm going to take a great assumption here that a lot of people already know the cuts. Let me quickly go through them. Byro, Siderquist, Kizikov, Kozak, Kulik, Murray, Roseanne, Rusek, Weisbach, Laxanen, Jobst, Mersch, Olashevsky, Passelt, Warren, Berzola, Elliott, Prow, Tischke, Hauser, and Warm. Not to mention Matt Savoy loaned back to his junior club, Winnipeg, in the WHL. Yeah, I'm not surprised by any of the cuts, to be honest with you, because we talked about my lines last week on Sabres Live, and I didn't have any of those guys in my lines, right? So uh, the one that people may say, well, what about Matt Savoy? Maybe an extended look. Um, look. Matt Savoy did well in, you know, the prospect challenge and in training camp for the Sabres, but it just not to the level that you would say is he fighting for a roster spot. And you also have to expect that. Like he had shoulder surgery at the end last season, more mm -hmm. rehabbing than 
then getting into the action this summer at the miss out on the world juniors at the miss out on development camp so i think that that kind of maybe i don't want to say stopped him but uh put his chances a little bit back i thought he was going to come out and really uh show us something great they showed us something good but not good enough to keep on anyone exceed your expectations so far that got reassigned. In, in those that are cuts, um, well, yeah, I think Ciderquist, I really liked uh, his game. Uh, Byro, I really liked his game. Uh, I felt that uh, um, Kozak really, really liked his game. I was uh, happy to see Wise back at the level that he was at. So there was a lot of guys that exceeded my expectations. But, but again, I look at it and I say, oh, I can't wait to see those guys in Rochester. I can't wait to see what the Amherst are going to put together because I feel that after the the the, the really good year that Amherst had last year, we felt there was going to be a bit of a dip this year. No, I feel like this young talent infusion that's in is going to be really good for the Amherst. So a few guys impressed me, not enough to stay, but enough to give me the, wow, Amherst are going to be good this year. So there's 16 forwards remaining in Sabres camp here as we have this final week with preseason games, one of which on MSG tomorrow, Tuesday night, 6.30 for our coverage as Carolina's in, and then the preseason concludes on Friday as Buffalo is in Pittsburgh. Season opens on October 13th, home to the Ottawa Senators. There's 16 forwards remaining, Marty. Um, that includes Sean Malone, who is yet to get in a game. So yes. does this mean that Paterka and Quinn have made it? Um, I don't want to say assuming yes, that we're going to start the season with 14 forwards on the 23 man uh, roster. Yeah. So, and I'm assuming Sean Malone is on the 16 right now because he was injured and hasn't gotten really himself going. So as soon as I would feel Sean Malone is healthy, probably make his way down to Rochester as well. So that leaves my sheet with 15 forwards mm-hmm. and only one needing to go down. That includes Anders Bjork, Riley Sheehan, now, if you want to put Quinn and Paterka into that conversation, Henestroza in that conversation, I think Vinny is here and, and I'm not worried about it. But I think one out of the four that I've talked about will most likely go back to Rochester. Um, as I am talking right now, I would suggest that, yes, Quinn, Paterka, in my opinion, would start the season in Buffalo because there's no reasons in my opinion, to say, let's keep Bjork and Shan as the extra two forwards. Why don't you give Quinn and Perturka some time to play early in the year and see where they're at? Maybe Bjork is an extra forward. I don't know who the other extra guy is going to be, but I think you can find somebody to say, hey, it may not be like that all season long, but at the start of the season, we want to see the young guys play. So I would think that even though last week I didn't have Paterka in my four lines, but maybe he's an extra forward starting the season. But I would I would suggest that Quinn and Paterka are in good position right now to start the year in Buffalo. Fair to say Quinn, and we might have said this last week, fair to say Quinn is ahead of, from, on the impression meter in this camp, ahead of Paterka and Krebs. Yes, I was actually going, as you said, fair to say to Quinn, I'm going to go back to last week saying Quinn, Paterka, and Krebs are maybe in that same bag, and you have to reach in and pull the card out. And I think Quinn is the first card that I'm pulling out. Um, Krebs, 
even against Pittsburgh, listen, I didn't see a whole lot of Peyton. He was on the wing that game. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he needs to 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 give me something more. There's two games left. You talked about Carolina on Tuesday, Pittsburgh again in the last game of the preseason. I want to see more out of Krebs. He could be in jeopardy to be down the lineup or maybe out if he doesn't get himself going again. So there's guys that stood out in the game against Pittsburgh uh, on uh, Saturday afternoon, that was. Mm -hmm. uh, But Krebs was not one of them. Uko, Pekka, Lukanen. Usually we resort resort to three letters, but I'm, I'm going the full distance there on three big words. Strong performance, no? Very strong performance. Let me ask you this. Is it faster to say UPL or Ukopekalukanen? I feel like we speak faster when we say Ukopekalukanen. Exactly. And it's great, but um, great, great performance from UPL or Lukanen or whatever you want to say. Um, Things that worry me about Lukanen. One is I feel that his form breaks down quickly. It's almost like he's losing all his core strength, his body composure, and his form breaks down really rapidly. Did not happen against Pittsburgh. It actually was the other side where he made some saves on recovery uh, and unexpected pucks that were bouncing back where he kept his form and was able to use his lateral movement and his flexibility and his great ability to to cover the low ice uh, to his advantage. And the other thing is, in, on screens, deflections, long shots, I always find it in the past that he didn't fight enough for those. Um, you know, we were sitting on the press box with Paul Hamilton, and I said, look at this. Like, he's fighting for that puck. Look at that. He's fighting for that puck. So I was very impressed. Uh, even though Pittsburgh did not have a great lineup, they had mm-hmm. some glorious scoring chances, and he responded really, really well in that game. So uh, enough to say, hey, he's part of the roster on opening night. No, it's going to be Anderson and Comrie, but enough to say, listen, he's he's ready for this season. He worked hard all summer. He's ready for this season. It's a great sign to see. Yeah, unfortunate for him to lose the shutout late, but the game was actually decided probably by his play at five on five. When you dive into the analytics for whatever, I mean, you, you might be described as a sick person for wanting to do that in a preseason game, but um the five on five high danger chances were decidedly in Pittsburgh's favor and Buffalo got so many of their good looks by having twice as many power play opportunities as the Penguins had. So it was, it was a real, you know, Testament I thought to Lukanen for consistency throughout where the game was played at five on five. So there's another component of the team that we've not yet talked about and we'll do so quickly because I don't think there's any change imminent here. But the fact of the matter is, after the reassignments on Saturday, there's 11 defensemen left in camp, including Prisky, Clegg, and Davies. Has Chase actually altered the conversation among those vying for the 7-8 spot on the team, with 8, obviously, not guaranteed to be staying with the team when it breaks for the regular season? If you, again, want to go the analytics path and marry it with the eye test, Prisky has had a really nice 3 preseason game showing so far yeah he's looked really good um i would say the quick answer to your question is no uh there's too many bodies in line right in front of him in my opinion this is more where you have two games left 
Um, are you going to play Dallin Power, Yorkiaru, Samuelson, Labushkin, and all two of those games? No, you're probably going to play half of them, one game, half of them, the other. So you need bodies to fill out the rest of the six defensemen that are going to play. But you also want to give a reward to those that have performed well. So I still think that the battle for seven and eight and the Sabres DAP is Fitzgerald and Pilot. But Frisky, Davies, Clegg, these guys have, have looked good to earn themselves more time, a little bit more meal money, right? The per diem and train camp put in your pocket. So they earned themselves that. Amherst camp, of course, opening today, Monday and on ice Tuesday, as Seth Appert's group will have preseason games this weekend. And you hinted at it earlier. So I'll ask the question specifically based on the fact that Siderquist, Viro, Roseanne, Kisikov, Kozak, Rusak, Murray, Kulik, Wiseback, just to name nine, not to mention the captain and Malone potentially and others. Are you actually more excited for this upcoming Amherst season now than you were in the summertime? Oh, absolutely. I thought you were going to ask me if I was more excited for the Amherst and the Sabres. I was going to say, well, <laughs> no, but I can say that on certain nights where the Sabres are not play playing, uh, I am going to pay really close attention, drive down to Rochester, and maybe I'll drive along with you, Duffer, and we'll go catch a game or two. Uh, but I am excited with the development path that the Rochester Americans set Appert, Michael Peckham, Mike Weber, uh, you know, um, assist, well, assistant general manager, but general manager of the Amherst Hermanos and Kevin Adams have put together. Like a year ago, I would not have thought that much young talent could have shown up mm -hmm. in a camp or in a season at the AHL. And now we're a year later, and I'm really excited for a lot of those guys. And contracts that are given to seventh rounder, sixth rounder, that are going to turn out to be really, really good asset moving forward. Yeah, I actually want to, you know, not to over dramatize this, but like part of me is shedding a tear here um, because the way I phrased it to you last week, like, like what has Lucas Rusek done wrong? Nothing. Brandon Byro was really good. Brett Murray. I mean, my goodness, like, I, I, like, I don't, I don't know, or it doesn't matter what your expectations were of Brett, but like last year, he was one of the talking points of camp because the team didn't have as many guys pushing and or showing mm -hmm. the skill set that we just saw the last few weeks. And yet, amidst everybody talking about all these other names, I think Brett Murray was better this camp than he was last year. He was really good this camp, but tougher. There's so many good hockey players all good. over the place. Elevate. Friend of the show, friend of the show and podcast uh, guest, Andrew Podorowski was MVP in the playoffs, mm -hmm. scoring leader, back-to-back Calder Cup champion and this is the first time he's earned himself a one-way deal yeah. right, with Seattle and so I'm just looking around 30. the league and he's almost 30 I'm looking around the league at the talent not just in the NHL in the AHL and then you look at the junior talent the college ranks talent and I'm like you have to be given an opportunity and and hang on to it and take mm -hmm. it and you have to work hard for those opportunities. So those young guys will get a great opportunity in Rochester to have the buzz and the success that they want to have. Okay, so we're talking out loud and some won't believe it because it's their nature and it's, quite frankly, probably our nature to overhype things sometimes. So where does the truth lie in all of this based on the fact that you have lived this experience 
high prospect NHL material, went to the AHL. You saw endless streams of talent in the AHL while you were there. So, like, are we wrong to think that in a reasonably short period of time, all this young talent can actually figure it out and the Amherst will benefit that much from this seemingly massive talent infusion? Um, I hate to say it, but I also went to the ECHL after the AHL. And yeah, but that wasn't for very long. I mean, that was like a well, spring break. It, it was because of an injury to Mike Bale's current goalie coach of the Sabres because I would never have gone back to Rochester that year, I believe. But anyway, neither here or there. Here's the thing. And this gets discussed between players, not at the rink, not on the bus, but maybe back in the apartments or over mm-hmm. dinner or lunch or whatnot or after a few you know, beers late at night is players also understand that in a year or maybe two for certain of those, so, so many of them, they'll have to go through waivers. They, they, there's, so this is an opportunity right now for Rochester to really get good and for the Sabres to evaluate them because there will be decisions to be made as to when it comes to not only the, the Biro and the Weisbach and the Rusek, and the Kulik and the you know Savoy and all those guys Ciderquist in a few years when you may lose them to waivers, but that's going to impact players right now on roster spots in Buffalo that you're like, hey, can you take a three and a half million dollar player and replace them with 975,000 and have the same result because of their development? So I think that that's where the you know, the, the big decisions are going to happen. They're not happening now because all those mm-hmm. guys are going through, they don't have to go through waivers. They're just going down to Rochester, drive an hour and they're there uh, in a year. And some, some of them two years from now, it will be mm-hmm. a little bit more complicated. Yeah. I can't wait to see how it, uh, how it unfolds there. Um, is there anything else that we haven't discussed within the group or groups now, Sabres <laughs> and Amherst that you feel needs a quick mention? Yes, uh, Dylan Cousins was really good once again against uh-huh. Pittsburgh, and I really liked his camp. I like his quickness, his passing, his shooting. I've liked everything I've seen out of Dylan Cousins this year, so that was great. Tage Thompson was really good, I thought. He had the laser. He was feeling confident with the one-timer, broke a stick, uh, did not score off the back wall like he did in Chicago, but you know we were laughing about that. I thought Rasmus Asplund looked really good in yeah. the game. Uh, he played center, which... You know, we've been talking about who's going to be the fourth line center this mm-hmm. year. Um, Aspen has not looked good at center in the NHL setting the last few years. He looked good in this game, so I was happy to see him play well. Uh, and Jack Quinn, for the first time in training camp this year, I'm like, wow, okay, there's Jack Quinn that, you know, he missed a wide open net and shot it off the outside of the net on the power play. Uh, you know, a little bit more like his goal against Washington in the preseason. He was mm-hmm. right off the side and ready to bounce on it. But I thought Jack Quinn looked better. So those are the guys that I'm happy they're taking a step forward like Don Granado wanted them to. I'm hitting you with a surprise here. We often end with three stars. I'm going to say just give me three of anything. They don't have to be stars. They can just be three random thoughts. They could be three product placements. They could be three whatever you want. Um, okay, here's my number one thing because we I'm not usually on the press box with you. 
And um, I was polling the crew to see if it was okay to grab multiple popcorns on the press box. And apparently it's not, um, you know, <laughs> you get one and that's it, leave some for the rest. So that was the one thing I thought was funny. I was really hungry and I wanted a second popcorn. I decided to have a second helping of cookies instead. So Ooh, that's one. The veteran move right Two, there. A veteran move. Two, um, when we were in the elevator to go back down after the game, I was interested to see that both Ron Ekstall and Brian Burke were in Buffalo evaluating the young players. There was no Crosby, Malkin, Latang Carter. There was no one of that. But Ekstall and Burke were there evaluating the young prospects or players on the Pittsburgh uh, side, um, which, uh, you know, I always, there are people in hockey that I, you know, of well, Brandberg's been around forever. Ron Ekstall, I remember him as a goalie in Quebec City. I looked up to him, so I, I was like, I gave him the nod, like, "Hey, Ron, how you doing?" Yeah, okay. Like, <laughs> he said, "Marty," and he waved down. So that was that was <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> observation number two. And observation number one, UPL was really good. Uh, look, I always fascinate towards goaltenders. Tristan Jari was really, really good in that game. I've said I think Pittsburgh is going to take a step back, but if Jari plays at the level that he can, um, they may be a tough go again in the Eastern Conference this year. Well, that's their hope. And when I say there, I mean Hextall, Burke, Crosby, yes. Malkin, Latang, Sullivan, all the contracts, yes. man. Like, I mean, this yeah. this team is not sitting down. It's just... It's so funny when you think back to when those two were hired and what was supposed to happen. Burke and Hextall are going to navigate them through the transition, life after Crosby and or Malkin. And they ended up keeping the band together. And despite what it says on their birth certificate, I can't argue with you. I think they'll be very good. It was the only decision to make. And I heard Brian Burke in an interview this summer. He said, how close was Malkin to leaving? He says, he is close. He was close enough that he was taking calls, but <laughs> when he looked at all of it and we wanted him to stay, mm. we made the offer and he looked at our roster and says, I want to stay. So Malkin was really close to leaving out of the three. He was the one that was on his way out. All right. What do you think my three things are going to be? Music. Yeah. <laughs> it's really, <laughs> it's really only one thing there, big guy. Um, so I've actually had to start writing down which concerts I've been to this year because people always ask like, Hey, you've been to any good shows lately? And I'm like, yeah. Yeah. And then I can't remember them. <laughs> so, um, you know, maybe it's a post COVID hangover. Like, you know, like I'm overindulging now getting caught up, but, uh, yeah. it was a pretty good weekend. I mean, you know, one of my all time favorites, the gaslight anthem was at rapids theater in uh, oh, in yeah. the falls. And, and it, the, the only downside to it was, I probably knew like 10% of the audience and was like texting with everybody, but I never actually made FaceTime with everybody because it was just one oh. of those weird nights where, and then I, so I felt kind of guilty walking away from there. It's like, ah, I should have seen this person. should have seen that person, you know, but anyway, it was, it was super fun. Um, you know, th they'll, they'll never change. And that's, that's a great thing, but I will say this. And, and you'll remember this because we had the great fortune just before COVID of being on a Sabres road trip that included an extended stay in Fort Lauderdale. So yes. during that trip, there was a Riptide music festival on the beach for two days of which we were, we, you didn't, but we could have. Anyway, I was there for one full day. Um, 
Matt Mason performed early on that afternoon. If you can imagine, which is hard to do if you haven't actually lived it, like if imagine a stage on the beach, like out looking out to the Atlantic yeah. Ocean. Like, I don't know how natural and insane this must feel for an artist. Anyway, so it's midday. I mean, decent crowd, but still, you're looking out to the Atlantic Ocean. I was convinced that Matt Mason's voice could have carried clear across the Atlantic. He was, <laughs> he, he stood out that much to me. And then COVID hits, right? And I'm like, well, when we get back to normal, I am going to see this guy and he played a sold out show at the ballroom on Saturday night. I, within four songs, was texting a, a group of friends who also love music. I said, well, you are missing out on the greatest town ballroom show you will ever see. And that there was nothing forcing my commentary or feelings in the form of substance. It was genuine excitement. This sold out show, younger crowd, everybody singing along. And despite his incredible first impression on me three years ago, he like so exceeded them. And he started, awesome. with, he started with my absolute favorite song, Nelson Wood Lane, which I never in a million years would have thought he, well, you can't open the show with this song because it's not like high tempo. And I yeah. was just like, You've got to be kidding me. <laughs> and then it just got better from there. So anyway, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to start hanging I'm out with music... you because yeah, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm going to learn a lot about music that way. So yeah, that's good. I, I'm living in a euphoric <laughs> state uh, at the moment. So anyway, thank you for this. Um, we look forward to obviously doing this. And when we say this, we mean Sabres Live Overtime acronym yep. slot, which is nice. Um we're going to be doing this on Mondays because let's be honest here. Like we've got football Mondays all the way through what we hope is to February. So it makes sense to just keep things going, come off a of busy hockey weekends and we'll hit you in podcast form on Mondays and then get back into our traditional radio and television shows on Tuesday through Friday. Uh, we do so with uh, a terrific crew as always, Marty. And uh, we thank you for listening and watching and we'll see you on Tuesday.